This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 10, Episode 41. This is Writing Excuses, your character's moral pendulum. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Howard. I'm Dan. And we have with us... Two guests here at the Gen Con Writers Symposium, Brad Bollier and James Gates. Brad, say hello. Tell us a little about yourself. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Brad Bollier. I am a writer largely of epic fantasy. Uh, I had a uh, series that came out through Nightshade Books, which was a, um, it's called Lezavanaskaya. It's a Russian-inspired epic fantasy. I also have a, a short story collection out. Uh, and my most recent news, uh, especially here at Gen Con, is that I have a new book coming out, a new series, uh, starting with The Twelve Kings in Sharkai. Um, and it's coming out um, next month uh, from Galance uh, in the UK and Daw here in the US. Okay. Well, odds are pretty awesome. good that by the time this episode airs, people will already be able to get their hands on it. Excellent. Jame, tell us about yourself. I'm Jame Gates. I am a writer, editor, and I do a lot of things that involve making people talk to each other when they don't want to. I'm also known as a publicist. Uh, I was the communications director for the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America for some years, as well as many other clients. Um, And I'm the editor of anthologies such as War Stories, Genius Loci, and two upcoming tie-in anthologies for RPGs found downstairs, as well as a new collaboration with Monica Valentinelli uh, called Upside Down, which is flipping tropes found in science fiction and fantasy. Outstanding. Well, Brad, you pitched this topic to us, which is the idea of a character's moral pendulum, uh, which swings, I would assume, between black and white with with, uh, gray in the middle. Um, How do you use that metaphor as as a tool? How does that that work for you? Well, so the reason that I brought it up in the first place was thinking about how, um, you know, Grimdark moved onto the scene more and more gray characters came onto the scene after having so many years, decades really, of um, heroic uh, characters. There was fairly clear, sometimes extremely clear, black and white, good and evil, uh, heroes rising up to challenge um, and win the day. Um, and that, you know, that has changed um, with people like Joe Abercrombie, Mark Lawrence, um, George Martin, uh, et cetera. Uh, and um, so I, I thought it might be interesting to talk a bit about how how we choose that. So I think it begins when you're formulating the story itself. What, what kind of story is it going to be? Um, is there going to be absolute good and evil? I think that's maybe one of the first choices. And then given that, what, what are the characters uh, like? You know, are, are, are they somewhere in between? Uh, are they fighting for absolute good or absolute evil? Um, so I think you know, to, to begin with, it advises on just how you're going to formulate your story, what kind of story it's going to be. Okay. James, what, uh, what, what do you think about the, the gray characters, the, the grimdark, the absolute good? I am an unapologetic anti-hero fan. I, I like all the shades of gray possible. Um, it actually made me really happy with the recent Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe version of Loki because it's, there's a nuance there that he's actually really this fairly bad guy who frequently does good things and... Um, it's just fun to watch. So I don't like I don't like absolute good and evil. It to me feels, as a general rule, pat and kind of boring. What what attracts you to the to the gray stuff? It's too easy to assign absolute good or evil. I grew up in a very conservative religion where everything was 
good or evil, black or white. And so for me, as I grew up and started figuring out moral codes and how the world actually works, there's just not really any way to say, this is good, this is bad. There are absolute darknesses on one side and absolutely good things on the other side, but so much of life is just about the situation and the context. Now, what interests me the most about this metaphor of, uh, of a moral pendulum is not so much where the pendulum is at any given moment, but watching it move. I remember when I was a kid reading uh, The Empire of the East by Fred Saberhagen, and there was a villain in the first book of the series who became a hero by the third book of the series. And I thought that was so cool. One of my favorite things to write, you know, on the flip side of that, is a moral compromise. When a character who is convinced that she will never do, you know, this particular thing, talks herself into it because the situation is like, well, you know, really because of the situation we're in, I, I probably ought to do that. What, how, how do the two of you handle those kind of situations where somebody will, you know, move from one end to the other? on that pendulum? Well, um, it, it, it reminds me of some of my earliest influences. Um, when you said that, I thought of Stephen Donaldson right away and mm-hmm. Thomas Covenant, uh, right, of, you know, extremely great character. It was probably my first introduction to sort of gray characters, gray story. Um, even while there was Lord Fowl, right, who was very evil, we had a very gray character along the way. Um, uh, and also um, Celia Friedman's uh, Cold Fire trilogy uh, has... Um, sort of a meeting between a, a priest who is clearly trying to be very good, and he must team up with um, Gerald Tarrant, if I'm getting the right name right, who is an evil wizard um, and does very despicable things, but he is necessary. Um, and so good and evil have to sort of come together to create sort of this gray front going forward. And I think, you know, for, so for me, I, it, you're right, it is very interesting to make characters go through that. Um, and they can, they can start out... Um, trying to do the right thing, but if they stay that way all the time, I mean, change is sort of one of the mainstays of, of fiction. It's, it's what makes, part of what makes reading interesting. So, um, yeah, I think that can help advise on, on what characters are be, going to be up against. If you can formulate them in such a, such a way that you know their lightness, you can challenge it to, to make them more gray. I, I agree, absolutely. I think, you know, going, going right back to the, you know, the grandfather of the genre, Lord of the Rings, mm. talk to most people about who, who are the most compelling characters in that series, most of the answers you're going to get are Boromir and Gollum, because those are the two that move from one end to the other, and often back again. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that goes back to the heart of storytelling, which is conflict, someone who is put into conflict. Now, I I cut you off. You look like you were going to have a brilliant answer to this question as well. Uh, David Gemmell was one of the guys that I grew up reading. Uh, well, I started reading when I was a teenager, and he actually influenced a lot of my personal moral code because it's, you know, sometimes you find yourself in a bad situation and you just do the best you can. But he had a lot of that. People who had kind of been shiftless or who had done pretty bad things their entire life suddenly found themselves against a wall and they had to make the decision, well, am I going to stand and defend and probably die or am I just going to run away? And he had characters who did both things. People who had been very good, who had been shining standards of nobility, broke and ran. Those who had never stood up for anything in their lives suddenly were like, well, I can do this. And so I think that that was probably where I really started getting into the concept. And then more recently, Nora Jemison's uh, 100,000 Kingdoms, mm-hmm. her god figures just swing in and out. You know, one is good and then one is bad. And it's this constantly moving and shifting thing. And I, I really like 
watching that because you know it means that you don't walk into a book that's the second or third in the series going, oh, I know what's going to happen. I know what these characters are going to do. It's, hmm, I wonder who's the good guy this time and how he's going to screw things up. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. <laughs> I'd like to pause for a moment and uh, and address our book of the week. Uh, Jame, um, you, uh, you want to tell us about the merchant adventurer, I think? So one of my wonderful clients, Patrick McLean, has a book called The Merchant Adventurer, and it is available on Audible. And it is an ordinary money-grabbing merchant finds himself being the hero, much against his will. Um, kind of like we're discussing. And so he has to go and deal with all sorts of things and find out if he's going to be the good guy or the bad guy. Dan, how can, uh, how can our fair listeners acquire that awesome title? After seven years, you think I know this by now? <laughs> <laughs> Audiblepodcast.com slash excuse, right? Yeah. <laughs> can I get some ghosts in the audience to ooh for that? There we go. Um, they, they, you can go on to Audible. You can get a free trial membership that will include a free book, which could be... The Merchant Adventurer. The Merchant Adventurer. Outstanding. Um, by the way, uh, audience, uh, listening audience, uh, we're recording live here at Gen Con in front of a live audience. Um, and a note for our live audience. Uh, the, yes, the podcast is sponsored by Audible. Um, <laughs> so you may not have been expecting that, but you're going to uh, get recommendations from our, uh, from our guests about things to, things to listen to. Um, I, I want to get crunchy. Yes. I want to get crunchy. Our listeners are writers. How do you do this well? How do you, and I'll, I'll get a little more specific. You want to nudge the moral pendulum uh, into a darker shade of gray. What do you do? How do you, how do you do that well? How do you make it work? The little things. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean, no, go ahead. I think we both start talking at the same time. I'm not... You don't suddenly have someone walk out who's been good their entire life and have them kill someone. Um, I think for a, a character that is, uh, you can do that, but for a character that is swung gently into a darker shade of gray, you have them start compromising things. Say they're a good character going dark. You have them start compromising because they're protecting someone, because they're in a hard situation. So maybe they're telling a lie where they've always had this upstanding moral code. Maybe they have stolen because they really felt that they needed something or they were in desperate straits. And you just start pushing them one after another until these things start getting bigger and bigger. And suddenly they're like, well, you look at it and you go, this is not the good character that I started out with. For evil, you go the opposite way. It's 
I'm doing something that's not so evil. Um, there's this amazing comic, Looking for Group, and the, uh, uh, the antagonist, Richard, is this horrible, evil necromancer, and suddenly he finds himself with a group of adventurers, and he's like, wait, I'm not being evil enough anymore. And that actually plays into his arc in a huge way. And it's just this slow thing that you barely see until suddenly you're like, wait, he's not, he's not horribly evil anymore. What's happening? I, I think, too, we can... Um uh, you know, this comes down to knowing the characters well enough to challenge them, right? So you do have to understand them well enough. Um, and I think one of the one of the pitfalls the, the, that we can run into is having characters that are perhaps not good enough um, or not evil enough, if, that, if that's the way that you're going, um, so that they can be challenged. You know, maybe you have to look at your characters a bit honestly and say, I need to structure them slightly differently, change their background a little bit, so that they can be challenged more so that they can be put in moral dilemmas more easily. Uh, one, of, one of my personal favorite tricks is to come up with a dilemma where both choices are bad. Yeah. Both choices are bad, and a choice has to be made, um, because that happens to me occasionally, and I, I really don't like it. Uh, Dan, in the Serial Killer series, uh, um, Cleaver, John Cleaver has a list of rules. Mm -hmm. uh, when did he start breaking them? Because he breaks some of those rules. Well, yeah, that he, he starts to break those rules. You know, at first, he breaks the little ones because he is enticed by something. This is what Jane was saying about starting with the little things. There's a serial killer in town. He knows part of his rules tell him not to focus on death or dead bodies. And yet, someone's leaving them all over town. He kind of wants to go check out the crime scenes. He wants to see this, and he just kind of slowly steps into it but he doesn't start breaking the really bad ones until he makes that de decision. He's in that moment where both decisions are bad. Should I let this thing keep killing, or should I kill it first? And, you know, that is a horrible, you know, sin against the rules he set for himself, but the alternative is to let people die. And so he's kind of forced into this impossible thing. Well, and for me, one of the reasons that that was powerful, and this comes back to what uh, uh, Jame and Brad have been saying, was that... For, for the series, we've been told that these rules are what keep John good. You know, you, you establish these as things that he has to hold inviolate because that slope for him personally is very, very slippery. So the moment he start break, started breaking them, uh, I, I got very, very frightened. And that leads me to my, my next question. Um, we're almost out of time, but uh, what is the reaction that you want to induce in the reader when that moral pendulum is swinging? What do you want them to feel? For, for me, it's discomfort. Uh, I want them to believe in that character enough so that the, the trouble, the decisions that the character is going through feels real, and, and, and they don't know which way they're going to go, and, they're, and they feel uncomfortable with it until things move on. Ladies and gentlemen, buy Brad Bowyer's books so that you can be made <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I like kind of the frightened sort of thing where you believe in this character, you want them to be, to continue doing the thing that they have been doing for whatever reason, even if it's, and, and, and it's the uncomfortable too. If it's a bad character, I think we like to be able to say that our, our enemies are bad. I mean, that's, that's the discussion around war all the time. That person over there is bad. We're going to go kill them because they're horrible and there's nothing good about them. And so when you have an antagonist who's suddenly starting to get a little bit better, it's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? 
I, I don't want to sympathize with him. And I, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head. These aren't Nazi robots. These are kittens. <laughs> <laughs> but there have been several times where I find myself starting to sympathize with the antagonist. And I'm like, I, this is a horrible person. I don't want to sympathize with him. So I, that's, I, I like the mix of those two things, where if it's a good character, you're frightened of them going dark. Antagonist, you're frightened. You're, you're uncomfortable that you're suddenly starting to sympathize with them. And just normal person, same thing. All right. Uh, Brad, I believe you have a, a writing prompt for our listeners. Yeah, based on the subject du jour, I'm going to say find your character that is the, the most good, the brightest, you know, the lightest to you. Um, and put them in a situation where they are morally challenged, but do it in such a way that the scales are almost even. And so you are not preordaining what's going to happen. Go into it not really sure yourself which way it's going to go and write that out. Fantastic. Uh, thank you, James and, and Brad, for joining us. Um, thank you, Gen Con audience. <laughs> uh, fair listener, you are out of excuses. Now go write. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. 